good evening. Hello? Good to be with you tonight. Oh, it's so awesome to have passionate worship. Been just watching these guys standing in front, and I love it when people just not just sing songs, they close their eyes and they literally throw themselves into it. You know, worship, when we sing songs, it's much more than just the songs we utter. It's you actually moving and you're leaving earth for a moment into God's presence and you touch heaven and something in your soul gets just restored but gets ignited that nothing in the world can satisfy anymore. Letting go of the things of the world and sin is not because you know it's wrong. It's because you found God that's much better. And I pray tonight as we're going to speak about reach, that you would open up your heart and allow God to define you. See, last few weeks, we've spoken about sex and we filled up the audience, you know. The crowd came, you know. So the way you grow your church, you speak about sex and you speak about then conflict and relationships, all these kind of things, which is beautiful. How many of you have been blessed over the last few weeks? It's really helped you. That's why we're here as a church. You are blessed. You see, and we deliberately speak about it so that we can help you to come to know Jesus and that you can start to follow Jesus. And tonight we're going to tell you why did you come to Jesus? Because God has a plan for your life. So I want you to really open up your heart tonight as we're going to focus and dive into God's Word because I really believe tonight's message is more than just another message. You know, if you're sitting here tonight and say, Phil, I've been blessed. You're part of a church. Here's one of your friends getting baptized, and I gathered with a lot of the Conegra people and people around them and go and friends and sons and support them and so on. That is incredible. Some of you have friends that loves and support you spiritually here. Look at that. I want to make you aware tonight there's many people in the world who have none of that. Like none. They cannot phone a mom and dad because mom and dad doesn't know. Part of my class about 19 nations in our master's class. And one of the, some of them are first generation salvations. First generation means they've got no brother, no sister, no mom, no dad to call and say, help me, I wanna know Jesus. Because there's no Bible in their homes. There are so many nations who do not have what you have here tonight. And I pray that tonight as we speak, that you allow God to speak to you I'm going to start off by just sharing with you a little bit of a shocking story. I started to speak to somebody a while ago, and they shared with me how their dad passed away, and they had six siblings, and two of them stay, they stay in the nation, and four has actually gone abroad. And the dad was pretty wealthy, and once the, you know, the state in Afrikaans, the budol for the Afrikaans, I mean, sir, Okay, once the estate started to pay out, these two brothers decided they're going to keep everything for themselves. Because the other brothers live abroad and the two sisters live abroad, they will not share their estate with them at all. Although the dad left it to them, they decided they're going to keep this for themselves. That's a horrible story. Because that was not the dad's intent. I'm going to ask Melissa to join me on stage. And we're going to tonight dive into an incredible psalm that is called Psalm 96. And it's a missional psalm. It's a missional song. And uh, I want Melissa just to read for me. Okay, listen. 
Ah nej, jeg synes... Ah nej, jeg lader så meget. Jeg lader så meget reach for os. Psalm 96. And uh, I want you to listen to this psalm. And it's interesting when you listen to psalms and when you read the Bible... We sometimes just rush to the Bible, but I want you to start to take note of the words that are most of the time you think it's not important. Words that are repeated are repeated for a reason. Words that are highlighted. Many times you find when you read the Psalms or you read Scripture, you'll find different, there's a but. That but is a very important word. Therefore, so that those words actually define Scripture for you. What you're going to find in this Psalm, you're going to almost see a dance. You're going to see a dance from sing, sing, sing. And then you're going to hear, ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. You're going to find, and you're going to start to see a different meaning as we go through this psalm, which will help us to understand why we are, why are we on earth. Thanks. Elisma. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Thank you. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. You find this beautiful song that's actually an extract. If you go to 1 Chronicles 16, verse 23, you're going to find the exact same words. Repeat it. Now, when you look at the psalm, nobody knows is this really written by David, but the assumption is yes, because this song, and this is just an extract from the song that people started to sing back in the days when they came out of you know, bondage and, and these people were really battling with so many pressures and things of life. They've been in exile for so long. And one of the things they missed was God's presence in their lives. Whom of you had moments where you really feel lonely? You really feel like, you know, it's, you need God to really pitch up, God to be here, or somebody just to be close to you. This is what these people have been feeling for so long. And next moment, they hear the trumpet sounding. And guess who's coming? It's David with the ark. Bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. And the moment they see the ark, in their minds, it's different from us. 
In their minds, the ark is God's presence coming back to his people. And God's presence is God's power. And God's power is God's provision. It's God's protection. And suddenly they realize God is coming back to us. And they started to sing, the Bible says, not a new song like with new words and things. No, they had a fresh awakening of who this God is. And they started to shout and sing and sing unto God and start to praise God and run around and say, Lord, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. This is what happened here. He said, the moment they start to sing, they sang from this amazing revelation of God's presence that is back. But while they were singing, and keep in mind, this is the nation of Israel. While they were singing, you listen to the words and you start to realize they were not just singing, thank you God, you are back in our midst. They started to do a declaration, a missional declaration, defining the purpose, not just for the nation of Israel, but the purpose for every born again believer. Let's see what it means. You see, you go right to the middle of this passage in verse 4 and 6. It says, for great is the Lord. Why did they sing? Why did they, this nation, you know, well up with such a joy? It's because they know that the Lord is the most high. You know what it means? Not just Lord, the most high. There's no one comparing with him. There's nothing that is even a challenge to him. There is no chess match that is between God and Satan. And let's see who wins. He's already lost. It's the God most high. He is to be feared above all gods. That word gods in the original meaning talks about nothingness. He's way above the nothingness of the world. He's way above the idols of the world, the things we want to make something of. But it's actually nothing. Remember now, they come out of Egypt where all these Egyptian gods and people, they worship these Egyptian, people worship these Egyptian gods. And God, when he came and you're going to study, you know, all the 10 plagues, every single one of them was actually destroying a specific God, Egyptian god. And it's amazing when you look at this and they come from this and it says, you have seen it, that these gods are Nothing. I am the most high God. I'm the Lord of the heavens. He says, I made the heavens. These gods claim to be famous. They claim to be somebody. It's amazing when, you know, I'm just thinking of that advert years back. There was a tea advert, I think, where the guy kind of um, stood there and he was like this important guy and he was trying to kind of force this lady to respond to him before she responds to other people because he's more important than other people. And suddenly, you know, it's like, hello, hello. And she says, sir, just wait. And she ultimately gets to this guy and this guy looks at her and says, do you know who I am? And she goes, sorry, sir, sorry, sir. And she grabs the mic over here at the airport and says, ladies and gentlemen, I have a gentleman here who does not know who he is. <laughs> you know, can somebody help? You know, there's something about, you know, when people start to think they so, these gods are so great, and the thing you think is so great, and what people are saying is so great, bottom line is, he says, you all, they all think they're great, and this is this God and that God. He says, let me just, just stop the conversation. I made everything. I am the creator of heaven and earth. I'm not trying to be great. I am great. I'm not trying to acclaim something. I am it. You can go and study throughout history. That every single religion on the face of the earth claimed to know a truth. They claimed to speak about a truth. But there's not one religion that could claim that we are the truth. 
It's only one who could say it, and that was the true one. It's Jesus Christ. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. You see, when he walks into, when Jesus walks into a place and God appears in a place, when the ark appears in the temple which they built, the people could not stand because the weight of God literally squashed, squashed them to the floor and they could not stand up. Glory means weight. You know he's here. You know when he appears. It's not a dead religion. It's not some kind of kind of wooden thing or like a little bottle. Oh, bottle, bottle, please save me. It is the true genuine God that we're talking about here. And he says, Israel, you've seen him. You know who he is. From that deep conviction of seeing, let's go back to verse one. Sing to the Lord a new song. You know what they, why they sing now? They sing from a revelation. They sing from a new passion. They sing from something. You guys sang tonight, and you're not just singing a song. Burn in my heart, Lord, make this little fryer fryer. Make it a burning flame. There's something in our hearts, Lord. Imagine God does that, and you start to burn. See, we sing these things. We need to say, Lord, I want to be that. But when God's going to start to burn through your life, it's going to burn. Rather burn out for God than burn, not burn at all. Ask God, see, he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord something that's fresh, that comes out of your soul, that's genuine, that's authentic, that's not just religion kind of talking with and so on. It's something you're convicted of. Then it goes to the next one, it emphasizes again. Sing to the Lord. It says, Israel, you're singing. But let me remind you, you're not just singing for yourself. Sing to the Lord, all the nations. I want to include every single tribe on the face of the earth. I want them to see me so that they can sing to me. Israel, your responsibility is you have been given something that is so valuable. What are you doing with it? You cannot keep it to yourself. You cannot just allow this to survive and then keep it to yourself. From the beginning, God included all nations. Whom of you are by origin Jewish? Anybody? This morning we had one lady. Okay, it looks like nobody. So you are all Gentiles. <laughs> you should say, thank you, Jesus, that you included me in your estate. Thank you, Jesus, that you had me in mind. Oh, but that happened in the New Testament. Seriously, you think that? Genesis 1 verse 26, Adam, full the earth. Genesis 12 verse 1, 2, and 3, Abram, Abram, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your name great. Amen, that's what every idol wants. Make my name great. Let everybody shout my name. No, 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 that's not what he said there. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you wealthy. But Abram, it's not about you. Never, never miss the point. It is sad to see how many born-again believers are missing the point. It says, because I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do something for you because through you I want the nations of the world to be blessed. Abram, come out from your tent. 
Look up. See the stars. When you see the stars, you see my vision. I want your offspring to be like the stars of the heaven. It's never been just about Israel, just about Jews. It's always been about every human being with breath in their lungs. God loves the world. He says, sing to the world. And then the third one, he says, sing to the Lord. Praise his name. He says, sing to the Lord a new song, a revelation you have. Make sure that that revelation goes through the earth. And then he says, why? Because of his name. The first verse summarizes the whole chapter. So let's go further. He says, Abram, he says to David and the Israelites, you are singing because you are seeing something. He says, but what you see, you should start to say. Proclaim his salvation, the next verse. Day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Here God emphasizes again, he says, proclaim Day by day, he says, every one of you Israelites, you've seen me. You know who I am. Your responsibility is that you start to become vocal about it. That you start to tell other people about it. That you start to include nations in this. Not just Israelites, but you start to dream about nations. You start to dream about other people and other people groups. That has always been God's heart. He says, proclaim this day after day. Why, do you, um, why don't other nations sing? Why don't Gentiles sing? They simply don't sing because the idols they worship has blinded their eyes that they cannot see that the Lord is the most high. Friends, when you're going to Thailand, you're going to Vietnam, you're going to some of the nations in Africa, going to Europe, you go around the world, you go to our city, you just go to your neighbor next door, you go to the suburbs, you start to realize people are trapped in nothingness. And it's become so important to live in nothingness. If it's not this, then it's that. If it's not, I mean, the world makes you want to buy stuff. Every ad tells you you need stuff you don't want. And then you work your hard, your life, you know, to a bit to kind of find a place to make the money so that you can buy the stuff you don't need so that you can brag about the stuff you don't like. And then ultimately you're in this rat race. That's not God's heart and God's will for you. You don't have to live like that. You're a different generation. Don't get trapped by this. Be a maverick. Think out of the box. Think different. Think biblical. Get beyond yourself. Move beyond the idols and start to see who God is. He is the most high. And then he says, you know what? You Israelites, you saw who I am. And therefore you say, and therefore you sing. He says, but won't you share this with others and the Gentiles? He says, so ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe means give, acknowledge. Give to the Lord. He says, from you, you've given me, but you need to go and share with other nations so that they from themselves can start to give to me, that they can ascribe to me, that they also can know me. None of us would sit here today if it wasn't for previous generations being faithful with the gospel, that's why we sit here today. I would have not been here today if it wasn't my mom and dad, my grandfather, who served Jesus. Well, that, their serving came at a price. When my grandfather started to read the Bible, he realized at the age of 21, being in church all his life, 
at the age of 21, he's been in church for 21 years. When he read his Bible, he realized for the first time in his life, he's not born again. Now, you know what it means when you're not born again? You're just going religiously to hell. That is pretty bad. I mean, you're not even serving the, the, the enemy totally. You're just serving yourself and you're serving the enemy religiously. He realized he's not born again. He fell on his knees and he gave his life to Jesus at the age of 21 and God radically transformed my grandfather's life. Obviously, he got married later on and then my dad came along and he raised his children serving Jesus. That same grandfather, I remember, he was just a farmer. He was not a preacher. He was not a, he did not, he was simply a farmer. But the way he started to live his life, the moment he gave his life to Christ, started reading through the Bible, and he was baptized. The day he was baptized, he was thrown out of church because that was not allowed. And suddenly we as the Proresters in Fixburg became the sect. I grew up in a primary school when the teachers, where the teachers and people around me knew that we are part of the sect. That's how I grew up. That was my primary school days. We were not allowed to get certain things. We were not allowed into certain things. We were kind of, you know, put aside when it comes to, to prefects and stuff like that. We were kind of persecuted for, the, for our faith. But thank God for a mom and dad who stayed the course and loved Jesus. That church is still going 40 years later in the same town. My grandfather built it from the farm. They went and they started to build something because they realized they're going to have to look after their family. And then they realized, oh, this is not just going to be their family. It's actually more than family. And other people got saved. And more people got saved. Today from just my brothers, it's my younger brother leads the church in Paul. My sister and her husband is here in the church full-time in ministry. My other two brothers are on the farm serving God full on. I mean, the whole farm, they've created a kind of a place where people have no ownership and they all serve together a bigger picture as farmers. Just because my dad started to serve Jesus. You must not underestimate the decisions you make today at a young age already will affect your children's children. You have to think generational. You cannot just think one night pleasure. You have to think way beyond because that's what God had in mind from the beginning. He's calling these people. He's calling, he says, it's Israel. You cannot just think about yourself. You have to think way beyond yourself. I remember in 2007, I'm just gonna add a little bit of a few things because I feel like God is doing something specific in people's hearts here tonight. In 2007 in June, I was having my quiet time. I was not that quiet. And God started to speak to me and God started to challenge me. He said, Phil, will you move back to Pretoria? I was living in Stambosch, okay? That was kind of a serious question. <laughs> you want me to move from Stambosch? Have you been to Stambosch, God? <laughs> Have you lived here? I mean, I've just bought a house. It's kind of nice, you know, you... You know, you get to everything like in five minutes. Um, God says, would you move back to Pretoria? It's God, why? Because God says, there's a people that I want you to go to and go lay your life down for another people. I said, Lord, you have to speak to my wife. That's a good one to get through. I'm not gonna tell her anything. You speak to her. This is between you and my wife. Two weeks later, my wife walks up to me and says, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I feel like God says we need to go back to Pretoria. I said, I think you're crazy. <laughs> so I kind of realized I'm losing this battle. So here my wife says, we have to obey God. Was it a sacrifice? 
yeah, the beginning stages when we started to think about, you know, because everywhere you go, you start to have a dream and plans. And but the moment I started to realize this is God's will, no, it's no longer a sacrifice. Then people will start to say to me, Phil, you want to go to Pretoria? It is dangerous. Why do you want to move to Pretoria? It's dangerous. You know, Gauteng is dangerous. And God started to speak to my heart, and I realized, you know, the most dangerous place you can ever live is outside of God's will. And we made a decision, and we said, this is it. God said, we need to come. Went to a few students like you. Nicole was a graphic designer. I said, Nicole, would you go and pray? Would you go with us? God has called us to go to Pretoria. She said, Phil, I'm solidly English. You want to go to Pretoria? I said, you can learn Afrikaans. Think about that. The prospects of that is good for you. She prayed about it, and she came. I went to Bend, and I think they were the only married couple, and said, would you guys consider to come? They prayed about it. I went to the vet and Mimi. We were not married back in the days. I said, would you guys pray and come with us? What are we going to do? We're going on an exciting journey to reach people for God, and let's go and plant a disciple-making church from scratch. And I know it's a risk, but let's just take it. And then at the end, a lot of these people decided they're going to come. Then we started to hear from a friend of mine. He, was, he moved up to Victoria and he was at Simba Chippies, one of the youngest guys who were promoted overseeing the logistics of Simba. He called me and says, I hear you guys are coming. I said, you asked me to come. He phoned me one day and says, Phil, we're going to churches here. It's great. Love the worship. Love the word. But we want to be in the disciple-making church. That's what changed my life. Who's this friend? I'm telling you students to their stories tonight. As you don't know, I'm a, I'm a secret student campus minister. This guy, one night at 10 o'clock at night, was on my way home in Stellenbosch. God says, turn around, go to this res, go and see this guy. Now, I've heard of him. I've never met him. He was with my wife at school. He's the first guy who kissed my wife. Luckily, luckily, <laughs> just on the cheek, okay? <laughs> but the first, okay? They're really good friends. And he got married to Renee. Renee's best friend is also Renee. <laughs> and so, so God says, turn around, go to this race. Hey, Marie. I turn after wrestling with her. God, I kind of, okay, Lord, it's late. It's 10 o'clock. My clock works different from God's clock. I get tired at night. And then turn around, went to this race, knock on the door, and I, in the front door, and I said, listen, I want to see Donnie Basson. They said, um, oh, his room is up there. Do you know him? I says, yeah, I know him. My wife knows him. So, <laughs> I knock on his door, I remember, I opened the door, I said, hello, my name is Philip Pretorius, I'm married to Renee Pretorius, she's Renee Pretorius, uh, her name's Sims, okay, she's now upgraded, Pretorius, okay, <laughs> and then my wife, I mean, then, oh yeah, great, come in, we started talking, nice guy, started talking, started talking, I said, you know what, I, I don't know why God would send me to your room at 10 o'clock at night, but that must be serious, an hour later, he gave his life to Jesus, his girlfriend just broke up with him that same day, how's God's timing? He became one of my best friends. Started to journey with him, lay a foundation in his life. He's the guy that phoned me and started to lay the seed in my heart and said, Phil, why don't you consider come to Pretoria to plant a church? He was a student who got saved on campus and saw the bigger picture than just living for himself. He came to Pretoria and started to see a radical change in his life. And so we arrived here and then we got this call from this guy and this guy. Hey, Phil, we also in Pretoria. We've moved here after we stayed in Stellenbosch. We're not going to miss out on this. We want to be part of it. And another 13 guys joined us. 
So here we are 20. We said, I said, guys, you know what? We're not going to do normal church. We're not going to Sunday get a venue, put out speakers outside, loudspeakers so people can be attracted to our noise. We're not going to start services. We're literally going to, all of us, going to go out, and for a season we have no services. So even on Sundays you can go and do stuff. Go gym, go do stuff, go hike. Go, and as long as you do it with lost people, go and reach friends, go and reach people out there. And they did. The 14th of January, we launched six Kune groups. We took these 20 people and divided them two to two and said, all of you reach another two. By the end of the year, there were 39 small groups. By the 2nd of March in my house, two, three months later, we were 86 people peeling out the doors. My wife said, you don't move my furniture anymore. Find a venue. <laughs> two bathrooms. Why am I telling you this? I can keep you busy the whole night that your time now on earth and your time now on campus and as a young person is non-insignificant and your decisions matter. When I arrived in Stellenbosch in 2000, they said to me, you need to go and follow up. There's a guy who gave his life to Christ last week. Can you follow up on him? I just arrived in Stellenbosch. I said, ah, give me his number. Pitched up to this guy's door and knocked on his door. His name is Ron Sarfontaine. As I walked in the door, I realized the man is a little smoke spot, seriously. So he said, and we start talking. What did I do? I took the one-to-one -one booklet, took to a biblical foundation, started to lay it in his life. I said, do you have friends who want to join us? He called Peter Morgan, who was kind of a religious guy. He called Warren, come from a Catholic background, don't have a clue what Jesus is. And he called Craig Fredericks, an atheist. And so the four of us started a small group. Ruan Sarfontaine today leads our Every Nation Church in Joburg. Peter Morgan is an elder in the Stellenbosch Church today. Warren is one of the key leaders in the Stellenbosch Church today. And Dr. Craig went on to start a ministry for doctors, doctors for Christ and taking the gospel to different places. He's still a doctor. That was a small group. What am I sharing with you? I want you to understand you could easily start to dream about life and dream about making money, which is nothing wrong. Dream about your career. Do so. We have to have people in every field in the world. That is a missions field. As long as you do everything you do with this whole mindset, everything you do is a missions field. It's not a job. It's a place where God places you. He says to Israel in this whole passage, he says, you, what you've seen, what you have, would you dare to take it with verse 9? Worship the Lord. You see, he started with sing, sing, sing. Then he says, proclaim, say, say, say. What? Your revelation of what you see, who I am, who I am. So that they can start to declare, that they can say, say, say. So that they will start to worship, sing, sing, sing. So that others can see, see. Our life dot description is simple. You better see who God is. Otherwise, you'll go through life wandering around, aiming at nothing and hit it every time. And once you see something, may your heart be so passionate about what you see that you want to dare to say something about it and that you dare want to do something about it. As you sing and you see and you start to say, you'll see other people will start to see and other people will start to sing what they see and they will start to say and then you'll see a revival. And what's the result? Go to the right last passage in the scripture. He says, when this happened, whom if you want to live in a world 
where things work out, where there's justice, where there's safety, where things are much different from what we have now. Friends, if we want to have a world like that, we have a responsibility to first see for ourselves. And then what we see, it's not just the songs we sing, it's the lifestyle we live. And from that lifestyle, we start to declare, we start to say. And what is this verse saying? At the end, it says, even nature will start to shout out. Even the trees will start to sing. See, there's something about when you, when Christians, when born-again believers start to serve God, it does not just affect the humans and the people of the earth. It ultimately even affects nature. It affects this world that we live in. Christianity has been more responsible and has actually have done much more in conservation and all kinds of things than any other faith in the face of the earth. If you go behind the scenes, why? Because our theology does not just take us to people. It even takes us to nature because it is God's earth. And if I read my Bible correctly, it's coming back not just for people. It's coming back for a new creation. We're not just here kind of escaping, getting saved and quickly get saved, clear your blackest course, go and hide somewhere and wait till Jesus comes. That is not the Bible we believe in. We believe in a Bible that actually gets people saved and those saved people start to act safely and they start to act as if they see something and they start to declare, they start to sing and they start to say the things they declare and they start to even affect the nature around them. They care about education. They care about law. They care about principles. They care about things around them and they start to go into society and study things to have a much greater effect than just having a salary to buy stuff you don't like. But you say, Lord, I want to make a difference. Study what you study. But make sure you understand the purpose why you study what you study. Study what you study is to do well. Be the best in what you do. But when you take that, what you have, bring it as an offering unto God. And say, Lord, use me. You look at yourself young. Be careful. Soon you'll look at yourself old. Don't miss that space. I hate it when people say to me, Uam. I'm 35 years old and you're calling me Uam. <laughs> you see, someday people are going to say to you, Tani, and you're going to know you are a Tani now. And you are a Uam. But make sure before somebody say Tani and Uam, you've already lived in your purpose. And you're not just trying to find a job. Find a purpose. Find something that you created to be. Find something that God's called you to be. Friends, even if it's a smaller salary, rather be happy fulfilling God's will than trying to be rich and end up lonely. I believe God can, money is not evil. Let me be clear here. It's the root, the love of money. We need money if we want to change the world. We just need money in the responsible hands who don't swallow everything. We're not just consuming everything, but say, Lord, how do we use whatever you've given us to bless your world, to see that your kingdom goes across the world? If we want a happy world, if we want a world that's glad, we have to bring a gospel that saves. We have to be a people who live what we see, sing what we love, live what we sing, declare, speak, say what we believe without holding back. Let me tell you, the world is very vocal today. Don't do it on social media because you're gonna burn your fingers. But that doesn't mean we have to become silent because we have the answer, not them. They don't. 
They're confused. They're trying to break down the truth because they serve their idols. We serve the most high. What a call for you tonight. You cannot, in the time and the age you live in, you cannot live a double standard life. There is no space for it. You will not make it. Men, listen to me tonight. I don't know what your idol, what is a real man in your eyes. But let me give you the only picture that is real. What is manhood? Christ-likeness is synonymous to man manhood. If you want to be a real man, be like Jesus. Everything else is a wimp. Everything else is fake. Be like Jesus. Study who Jesus is. And go and ask yourself, where, go and look at Jesus as a man, how he lived. And ask yourself, does he embarrass you or does, do you want to be like him? Ladies, be a godly woman. And don't let fashion TV and the world and every movie influence you what you want to be. Read your Bible and be that. If we want to change the world, we cannot move away from our words, from the Bible. Do you still spend time in God's Word? Do you read that Bible? Do you love that Bible? Do you study that Bible? Or is Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all these things taking up all your time so that you don't get into your Bible? Let me tell you, TikTok is not going to give you a future. Instagram is going to confuse you. It's going to tell you everything you are not, and you're always going to aspire to be something else. You're going to walk away every time you open up Facebook and see your friends who are somewhere skiing something, doing great, and you don't, and you look at everything and happy, and you wonder why they're three weeks down the road, you know, kind of they're somewhere in some psychic, you know, kind of environment because, you know, because Facebook gives you this always this feeling that you are missing out. When you read your Bible, God satisfies your soul, so you're not missing out, you're mine. You start to fill your heart with things that the world cannot give you. It starts to satisfy your soul that there's everything out there is looking for your attention. Don't give it to them. Serve God from a young age. Find your calling as early as possible and live in it as long as possible. God's called us to make a difference. And I know your generation wants to make a difference. You know how you can make a difference? It's going to be really simple. We as a church have made it real simple. Let's think not just about ourselves. Let's care about every student on our campus that is from another nation. We've got 39 nations in Africa. We have not yet planted in, uh, disciple-making churches. I'm not saying there's no churches. I'm saying from what God has called us to do is to plant a disciple-making church, and where we go, we go to the campuses because we want to reach the next generation of leaders. 39 nations in Africa we've not yet reached. We're in 15 nations, one five. In Europe, we're in... I think it's 90 nations now. There's a lot to be done. And I'm just focusing on those two nations. In the world, we're in 87 nations currently. And there's 195 nations. We've got 103 more to go. 100 and something. <laughs> I think it's 106. What can we do? You can pray. You can pray. Don't underestimate. You waking up morning, why don't you take one nation and start to pray every day for that nation? Why don't you say to yourself, you choose four nations and every week you pray for one and then you start the next week again and you pray for those nations for the next period. Jonathan said to me one day, I was speaking about my friend and she said, yeah, I mean, and uh, 
I was, he was he's praying for the nation of Eritrea. And he's connected to that nation. And he walked, ran by the ambassador's house. And he started praying for the nation of Eritrea. And the other day, I shared a testimony of my friend Saeed. You know what God's done in his life? He says, what, what nation? Eritrea. He says, six years ago, God started to ask me to pray for that nation. Six years ago, he prayed for that man's dad's house. How's that for God answering specifically? Start to pray for nations. Guys, you are our most valuable mission group. You are mobile. Go on the mission. Why don't you guys do 20 missions a year? First of all, a mission will change your life. And mission does change other people's lives. But you will never go on a mission and come back the same unless you made it a holiday or a dating club. <laughs> then you're going to miss out. All right? You can meet your husband and that's fine, but it, focus on the mission. <laughs> the last thing is how you can participate. And tonight, I want to call you. Do not look at how much. You're a student or you're not. There's a lot of young working adults also here tonight. You can give financially towards church planting. Yanni and Wesley are today in Mozambique because people who have been partnering with them financially, they give towards it, and we make sure these guys get planted in the nations. We want to reach these nations. Tonight, you can make a difference. So we're going to take a moment. I'm going to show you a video. And after the video, I want you to open up your hearts. Lord, I want to commit financially to give towards nations. It's not, it doesn't matter how much, but you can make a difference. The story I told you about the estate, it's a story. You said, then that's, you said to yourself, that is pretty bad when your two brothers are robbing you because you live in another nation. God said to Israel, the fact that I blessed you, don't rob the Gentiles from me. The fact that you are sitting in a cozy church where you have people who are dedicated to bring the word of God to you. You've got people you can call. You've got connected leaders that are trained. You've got people who love you, care for you. You know there's many people in the world that have none of this. Zero. What are we doing about it? We can do something. We can pray. We can give. And we can go. Tonight and next week, we are focusing on people who commit for one year. Up till today, we had 270 people in our citywide church who partnered, who gave 1.3 million a year. That all went into church planting emissions. Our goal this year is to take that 1.8 million so that we can see more churches being planted across the world. And then, some of you are sitting here tonight, and some of you should be lawyers, be a good lawyer. Some of you want to be doctors, physios, whatever, teachers, do whatever God's called you. But some of you are sitting here tonight, and you know that you know, that you know God's calling you into full-time ministry. You maybe is the person that should be sent while others pray for you. You are the next Yanni. You are the next Wesley. And we're going to give you an opportunity tonight to respond. Because we take those moments seriously to walk with you and journey with you. To make sure we have a Philip and Marekan in Etrecht. We have a Hansi and Marna in Zagreb. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this incredible moment. I just feel destiny over these people tonight. There's many of you sitting here and God says, just go on a mission. Just go. It's going to change your life. There's many of you sitting here tonight and say, Lord, man, I don't know, just study. Don't quit your studies. Say, Lord, give me purpose with my studies.
Let me do well with my studies. Let me become the best in my field so I can influence people around me, not to make a name for myself, but to make a name for you. As you said to you tonight, so Lord, would you give me the means financially so I can also participate in sending the gospel to the nations of the world? Let's watch this video. All of us have a desire to live a life of significance. Every single one of us want to die one day looking back at our lives. You want to know that your life counted. And friends, we look at society today. A lot of the talent shows like Idols and all these shows show you that there's a deep desire in every human being to live a life of significance. Is that really what this is about? Is it really individualistic achievements that makes us famous and you know, ultimately causes what kind of legacy? Is that really a legacy at all? I want to introduce to you a way that you can live a legacy today. Join together. You see, no one on his own, no one by himself can actually leave a legacy worth remembering. But together, we can do something great. If we look at the one that actually left he, us and left us his legacy, Jesus Christ, he included us in his legacy by the way he lived his life. And today he compels us and he, he encourages me and you that we would take his legacy and take that to the nations of the world. This is what REACH is about. REACH is an opportunity for me and you together combining our resources, combining our time, combining our prayers and efforts so that we can impact the nations for God. Right now, currently, we're in about 15 nations of Africa. There's 39 nations still to be reached. What are we going to do about it? Apart from Africa, we're involved in Europe, and God's called us to impact Europe also. Reach focus specifically on these nations to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to these nations. Many of you are privileged. You're sitting in a congregation today where you're being discipled. You receive the word of God on a daily basis. Do you know how many people don't have this privilege? And it's our responsibility to take the gospel, to take God's church, to take God's kingdom to these nations. And you can play a significant role today, helping and making sure that happens. So how can you participate? Become a REACH partner today. The first thing about a REACH partner is somebody who intentionally pray, actively pray for nations. Ask God to give you a nation. And why don't you start to faithfully pray individually and also together, corporately as we come together for those nations. The second way you can participate is why don't you sign up for a mission and go on a mission. You see, we pray and we go. Go on a mission. I promise you one mission will literally change your whole perspective and your priorities for the rest of your life. And the last thing it's today and next week Sunday is all about, why don't you become a financial partner by giving towards church plant and missions? Someone invested in your salvation. Don't you think it's time that you start to invest in the salvation of nations? Why do we do this? Well, God's heart for the nations compels us. And our heart and our love for Jesus and for God sends us. That's why we do this. How do you become a rich partner today through giving? Well, the first thing is you can start to give and make a pledge from your current income or your savings that you start to give on a monthly basis towards just plant and missions. 
Or secondly, you can start to trust God and make a faith promise of an amount that you feel God's laying on your heart and you start to commit that on a monthly basis and you trust God for the increase in whatever way, in your salary or whatever, so that you can sow into the nations. We have seen so many testimonies of people doing this. And as they, by faith, start to put out a faith promise, God provided for them because God is serious about nations. Friends, all this income and all this giving towards reach is above our tithes and normal offering. This is on top of that where you say, God, we want to be generous. See, tithes and offerings is the basic foundation of obedience. And in generosity, we trust in God to give above that. Why don't you today stretch out, put out your faith, and trust God to sow into the nations from your finances. Pray, go, and today start to give so that we change the plight of nations. And I want you to take home this scripture, 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4. This is good. And it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The privilege that you and I have is that we know Jesus today. Why don't you join forces with us so that we take the gospel to the nations so they can have the same privilege to know this amazing Jesus that you and I serve. Thank you for becoming a rich partner today. God bless you.